You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. John, we're still here talking about Westworld Season 2. Uh, this episode, you know, is it, it wasn't as we got with, like, uh, or background information as we got with uh, the last episode, but we got, a, I, th- I feel, feel like we got a whole lot of story in this episode. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. So, when we get to there, you know, I think we're going to have uh, have a lot to discuss, but first let's talk about some geek news. Um in the world of movies, do you, were you a fan of the Guy Ritchie, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock movies? Yes, I was. So Sherlock Holmes three set to set for December two thousand twenty. Uh, to, you know, he's finally going to come back and make that movie. He doesn't have any more Iron Man movies to make, I guess. So. <laughs> and he doesn't need to uh, do it for the money. So yeah. So I don't think they have Guy Ritchie down or set to direct yet, but which would be a shame if he didn't come back. Yes, is Richie is not confirmed as of yet, though. You do have Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr. come back, though. I don't feel like it's a proper trilogy, though. If you don't get him back? Yeah. Yeah, if you don't get him back, it's not a proper trilogy. Because very much the film style of Guy Ritchie is a big part of that move, that, that to, those two movies. Yeah, this will just be like another Sherlock Holmes adventure. Yeah. And just kind of be independent <laughs> of the, 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 the overall story they were telling. I mean, it, it, it makes sense... I, I don't think Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones Game of Shadows did as well as they thought it was going to do, uh, but I do I, I it did or it did do better than the first one, but it probably cost more to, to make. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I like the second one a lot more, but I feel like they blew their watch early by killing Moriarty. Spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> um, I felt like I mean they teased Moriarty in the first movie, like they kept them literally in the shadows. Yep. Um, and that was probably just because they hadn't cast him yet. No, I, I think the rumor was that the the little bit, even though he never shows his face, it's, it's uh, Brad Pitt in in the shadow. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> he should have done his pikey accent though from Snatch. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, like I feel like it, it to be a proper trilogy, you shouldn't have killed off Moriarty because now what's he going to do in the next story? I mean. The I mean, only way they could sway me back is if they do Hounds of the Vaskervilles, because I've always wanted to see that, like, done in, like, high-budget live-action. I mean, it, it's a, it, it's possible. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Or I, just jump into the future and have, like, the cartoon version of it that takes place in the year 2025 or whatever. Well, speaking of a third sequel, or a second sequel, and uh, jumping to the future, Bill and Ted has gotten their third movie. Like, uh, it's all official now. Everybody's coming back. So you got uh, it's called it's being called it's being called Bill and Ted Face the Music, 
And the idea is it's 29 years later, and the boys have not done what they were supposed to do. They have not brought world peace. Yeah, they definitely dropped the ball. Maybe they just got the whole idea of predestination in their heads like well it's gonna happen and and so they never tried and so yeah they just figured it was gonna happen and it never did because they didn't have that fire underneath them to drive them so uh I, from the what the sounds of it is, is that like as of right now like the story is is like they they travel like uh, a little bit into the future to steal the song from themselves that makes the world so that they can have the song. That's not how time travel works. Well, that's a, that's the time game that they play in both movies. Uh, so you know, I thought it would be interesting is that because the first movie is all about time travel. The second movie, they don't do a lot of time, time travel in that. It's like it's only at the end. They go to the afterlife. So you should make the third movie be about something else also. It shouldn't be about um time travel again it should be i i thought would be a good idea it's like alternate dimensions so you like their rufus character since unfortunately george carlin has passed away takes what? A, yeah it happened a while oh. ago but uh yeah you he t- you you take he takes he or she takes the boys to uh another dimension where say you know they never became friends and then you know another dimension where uh Ted ended up having to go to the military academy and then, you know, and yet and yet and then eventually oh. they they keep seeing how, you know, their their timeline is the is the best timeline. So they just they write the song from that. Mm, I think this can get swifty. <laughs> there you go. You get, you get a little bit of Rick and Morty in there. Yeah. So I, I I think that would have been great, but that's not what Sounds like the story that's going around. Oh. Oh. Wait, isn't uh, Death supposed to come back? I believe Death is supposed to come back. Oh. So William Sadler, which I love. I think he's a great actor. Yeah, he's, he's a yeah, classic. Yeah. So, so yeah, they've officially signed on. Um, I don't know. If, I wonder if the princesses have signed on. Man, I wonder what they've been up to. Yeah. <laughs> I only remember like one of them well like she was in other th- like i remember her from other things i just remember that one's like a brunette and the other one is a redhead redhead yeah not a blonde right no yeah yeah and they had kids at the end of the movie yeah little bill and little ted that's right so i mean yeah, but didn't they name each other's kids that though yes like so, so bill named his kid little ted and vice versa right okay because that's not weird because they're just they're bros yeah they're the original bromance uh, all right. You know who's also super popular right now? He's having a super resurgence. Cardi B. Okay, that's not a he. Oh. But and that's not a resurgence? <laughs> like, that's a, a surgence? Uh, no, Stephen King. Like, all of his properties are getting snatched up like crazy mm. and being made into things. So, him and his son, Joe Hill, wrote a novella together called In the Tall Grass. And Netflix has uh, bought it, and it looks like... James Marsden, who we talk about on for this show for Westworld uh, Geeks Watch, uh, is attached to star in it, or he's in a negotiations to star in it. Um, I have no idea what this story is about. This novella. Uh, do you have any idea? I'm not familiar with it either. But Stephen King is like definitive proof that. Um Doing copious amounts of cocaine and never giving up is a definite recipe for success. Well, I mean, if you don't die, I guess. <laughs> well, it makes you stronger. Yeah, there you go. 
At this point, I don't think you can kill Stephen King. I mean, he was <laughs> run over and survived it, took it like a champ, and, it made, and kept making even more it, stories. He made shit out of it, so there you go. <laughs> it, it, it's true. Uh, they do have Vincenzo Natale uh, uh, slated to direct it, and he's best known for uh, directing Cube yes. and Splice. Yes, he is. So, I believe he's also done a couple of episodes of Westworld, or was it Altered Carbon? I remember seeing his name pop up in one of the credits for one of the shows that we watched. Oh, really? Recently. That's, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, Westworld would make sense with what uh, you know with James Marsden uh being oh, yeah, attached but uh let's see um i love cube cube is like one of my favorite horror movies of all time cube is so awesome now yeah, very underrated but the less we talk about the sequels the better <laughs> uh, you know so there was what there's cube 2 hyper cube yep. and then there was cube 0 yes which was the prequel and i thought the zero wasn't that bad it was I like the concept, but there were some really, really just schlocky things in there. Like the whoever the leader was that had the crazy eye technology and his two subordinates that were like would jack in directly into the computer interface. Uh. I'm like, what is this crap? <laughs> it was so overacted and just weird. Interesting. I think I like the first one more because it's just it has a just a perfect level of mystery. Where you don't know exactly what's going on or why they're there, and then when they try to over-explain everything, it just feels so unsatisfying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's truly the only correct opinion to have on the matter. <laughs> uh, he directed the last episode we talked about. He re- he directed Reunion. Oh yeah, season yeah. two, episode two. But he also directed Dissonance Theory from the first season. Mm. Uh, he recently directed a episode of Lost in Space, which I, have you watched that yet? I watched the whole thing. I heard that there's a really sexy robot in it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the thing. That's not what I would go with. But there is a robot in it. Uh, he directed an episode of American Gods, which uh, I, I watched. He directed an episode of Luke Cage, Wayward Pines. He did six episodes of H- Hannibal, an episode of Orphan Black, uh, an episode of Hemlock Grove. Uh, then we go into movies, and he did Earth Final Conflict. He did three episodes of that. And then a big surprise for me, seeing as all this other stuff that he's directed, he directed an episode of Space Cases. Do you remember that show back in the day? Jeez, no, how long ago was that? Oh, this is back in 1996. So wow. this is a bunch of kids uh, that are in, like, like, think of, like, high school Starfleet that get lost in a uh, spaceship in outer space. Like, they get sucked into a black hole, and they're, you know, they, they're far away from home. And it has... Uh, the actress that plays Kylie Fry on Kaylee Fry on on Firefly. Oh, Jewel State. Jewel State. Thank you. Yeah. She was in that. And she has like a rainbow colored wig. Oh wait, yeah. I it I, was a Nickelodeon show, and I, I remember know I've seen that, that in passing like a long time ago. Yeah. Oh my god! It also had uh the Black Ranger, the Black Power Ranger, Zach. Yep, Walter Jones. Wow. Yeah. So that's that, that's a nice little trip down nostalgia lane there. Yeah, <laughs> so so old now. Expect uh, in the tall <laughs> in the tall grass to show up on Netflix here soon. Uh, Margot Robbie, get it out of your system now. She's hot. Okay, good. Uh, she has finally confirmed that she will be in Quentin Tarantino's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, playing Sharon Tate. 
Oh, interesting. You know about this movie, right? Uh, well, I know about the history about it, yeah. This has to do with the Manson family? So, uh, well, yes. The So, from what I understand, what I've picked up is that the whole Manson family and Sharon Tate and all that stuff is going to be a very prominent story in the background of the movie. Oh. So, it's not... The movie itself isn't going to focus on, on that, but it's going to be a very big part of the story. So, kind of like Summer of Sam, you know? Oh, yeah. Where, you know, all that was happening, but you're following other characters. I see, yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it's supposed to have Leo and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Tom Cruise and some other people, and they're like, like I think Leonardo DiCaprio was playing a movie star, and then Tom Cruise is supposed to be playing his stunt double or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, but those are the those are the characters that that are supposed to be the. The uh, main so set in 1969, the, the dramatized film will star Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Oh, as the respective star and his stunt double on a TV western. Uh, DiCaprio's character Rick Dalton is Tate's next door neighbor. So there you go. Interesting. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise was supposed to be signed on to this too, though. Maybe he's playing Manson. Maybe he is. That would be cool. That'd be interesting. That'd definitely be a different role for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, probably one of my favorite roles that he's done in recent years is a Collateral. Oh, Vincent? Yeah, yeah. Vincent in Collateral is a really good role, or a really good character. Uh, he does that so well. I feel like out of all the characters he's played, that probably comes the closest to who he is in real life for some reason. You feel that way? I feel like he's got that like psycho murderer just kind of laying on underneath the surface of like calm placidity oh that's that's mean well i mean i wish people thought that about me oh okay. like oh man don't fuck with that guy he's I, crazy i remember right after that movie came out or right r- around the time that movie came out he did one of those inside the actor studios uh and uh they were he was talking about his method you know kind of like when he acts and stuff so he was saying that if he's on set and he's he starts to feel feel tired and stuff, he's like, "Oh, maybe my character also feels tired. Why is it that my character be feeling tired right now?" And he, that's the way he kind of uses. It. And I always think about that because he he related it back to being Vincent. Like, there's times when he was like, "Vincent's just so angry," and then he's like, "Well, maybe I'm angry, or why am I angry, or maybe why is Vincent angry?" And I was just like, "Oh, that's weird." But I remember seeing him also at um, San Diego Comic Con when they were doing a panel for Edge of Tomorrow. And, you know, it might be an act and all stuff, but the dude is super enthused about making movies and he just loves everything about movies. And, like, I was like, that's, I think he's fucking cool. Like, he's in a terrible, you know, religion cult thing, but I think the dude's just, like, super cool. <laughs> what I find funny about Tom Cruise is um, Christian Bale says he based his performance of Patrick Bateman. In American Psycho, really, off of Tom Cruise, I can and there's see a that. specific interview that he did. He said he watched closely because he says that there's an intense friendliness to him, but nothing behind the eyes. Is it the Oprah interview? No, <laughs> this was a Letterman interview. Oh, and um, yeah, I watched the clip that it was in referencing, and I'm like, oh yeah, like that's definitely <laughs> that's definitely what's a, going on there. A weird side of yeah, a, a human being that. It's almost like he's on autopilot and he doesn't know what to do. He's just like, this is how humans behave, right? Right? <laughs> I, I like his Tom, or his Tom Cruise movies, his, uh, his Mission Impossible movies. I like the Jack Re- Re- Reacher movies. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have said that uh, Les Grossman has been one of their favorite characters in the last 
you know, decade of his. Yeah, that was a cool uh, character. I mean, I can't complain about his acting. I definitely feel very entertained whenever he's on screen. And just about every role I see him do, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm talking more about just the real person. Like, I'd be scared to be in the same room with that guy. (laughs) I mean, I probably would be too. (laughs) I'll go go with that sentiment. Um, So, have you ever watched this show, Haters Back Off? Uh, That was Miranda Sings, the YouTuber with the crazy lipstick. Maybe? That sounds familiar, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, a star from that, uh, Francesca Real, has been cast in a major reoccurring role on the thir- upcoming third season of the Duffer Brothers hit Supernatural series, Stranger Things on Netflix, which yeah. is a show that we talked about here. Yeah, we like it. Uh, you know, this is coming off of the, what was it, the Cariolas was cast for this season. and oh, that's who I was thinking of. Oh, okay. That was yeah. That was that was announced a little, little bit back, a little bit a while ago, um, and there was someone else too, some other big star that was coming to the show. And I can't think of who it is at the moment, but yeah, she, I, I don't know her, and but she's going to be on third season. I should get Corey Haim to come on it, or wait, no, Corey Jake Filman. Busey. Jake Busey was oh, the other. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jake Busey. Yeah. I love I, I love the Buseys, <laughs> just for the craziness of it all. Uh, he, Jake Busey's awesome in. Um, Wait, did you Starship say Corey Haim? I meant Corey Feldman. Okay. <laughs> yes, I know Corey Haim has long left this earth. I mean, and then he died. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Not only he left the planet and then died. Yeah, no, I man. Like, I I was just trying to make a joke that he was kind of out there. Why are you so dark? Uh, oh, I'm the dark one. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know about the haters back off show, so I don't know what to think of this actress. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's the same person, but I know that haters back off was a, I think it was a YouTube, not YouTube, uh, Netflix show, based off of a character named Miranda Sings, who's really annoying, uh-huh. has a high pitch, like just grating voice. And does her makeup in such a way where she kind of looks like a clown? Intentionally, of course, that's her character. But like she, she but, overdoes her lipstick so that it's like literally all around her mouth. And she gets a bunch of people giving her negative feedback on her YouTube channel, and then she just it's it, the idea is yeah, she, I guess she, she's she like she baits people to right. like roast her or something. Yeah, okay, it's weird. Sure, yeah, she made money from that. There's um, a whole bunch of Netflix shows out there that you, you couldn't sit there and, and watch them all. I mean, you, well, I just can't wait till they make uh, "Ow My Balls." <laughs> you know what? The the unfortunate <laughs> thing is that there's people out there that would want to watch it, so thus it's not dumb of them to make it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you could just make a compilation of America's funniest home videos and Jackass and all these other things. I mean, that's essentially what ridiculous is, right? Or yeah, ridiculousness, or whatever the true. hell that show is. Ridiculousness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we we already have our own President Camacho, so <laughs> except without the cool factor. Uh, Annette Benning, Oscar nominated Annette Benning. I don't think she's yeah, she's four time Oscar nominated nominee. She is going to be in Captain Marvel. Interesting. Um, right now the speculation is that she's either going to be playing a scientist who also happens to be Carol Danvers' mother, or. She's going to play a pilot that is kind of like the 
trainee or the trainer for Carol Danvers. I'd rather see her as a pilot. That sounds awesome. Instead of the scientist? Yeah. Okay. I mean, either way, I think uh, apparently there's, I, and I don't read enough Captain Marvel or Carol Danvers story, but there's this big part of her storyline that uh, a big fight that her and her mother end up having that is pretty important to her history. So that's why I think a lot of people were saying that she's probably going to be playing her mother. Hmm. But then again, they could change her mother to be a pilot. Who knows? Yeah, we don't have enough strong, sexy female pilots. <laughs> I feel like that's a niche we're missing. Uh-huh. I mean, let's see. The last one I could think of was in uh, Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds when Blake Lively played uh, Star Sapphire, whatever her name is. Oh, um, wasn't she also a Carol? Carol Ferris, yes. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> So there, there's that. I guess if you're Carol and you're in the comics, you're probably a pilot. You're probably a pilot. Yeah. So, do you watch Rick and Morty? You talked about it earlier. I am familiar with the concept of Rick and Morty. <laughs> I know of it. No. Yes. I just haven't actually sat down and watched the whole thing. Although I really want to. You should. Uh, I've, I've been told by many people it's my type of humor. And I would definitely dig the uh, the meta references. There's lots of meta. So, yes, uh, I'm aware of it. I just don't really watch it regularly. So there had been a lot of, like, uh, stories within the last couple months of uh, when are we going to be getting the fourth season? Yes, the fourth season. And and uh, Dan Harmon's been online be like, well, you know, Adult Swim or Cartoon Network hasn't actually ordered the se- the new season of it yet. So never, you know, until they do, it's not, it's not going to happen. Uh, and on, uh, let's see, what is May 10th? So this is the 13th. So back on Thursday, yes, Thursday, Justin Rowland, the other co- creator of, uh, Rick and Morty tweeted out a picture saying more Rick and Morty coming, looking forward to all the tweets asking where it is. Hashtag they're drawing it. Uh, the picture that he drew has May 10th, 2018, Rick and Morty, 70 more episodes. It's official Morty, 70 more adventures. Uh, Morty, you are you and me, seventy more, Morty, and then you got Morty just saying, "Ah, oh, jeez." So, I want my sauce. Oh no, that was the worst part. <laughs> the fans doing that, fan quote unquote fans. You know what? Actually, that's probably one of the reasons why I don't want to get into it right away because I was like, it feels like a toxic fan base that just makes you feel ashamed to say that you're a part of it. I know that's true. That is so true. But, you know, there's things that I like, and it's not my fault that other people that are assholes like it, so... Well, I'll be a closet fan. There you go. Don't tell anybody you yeah. are. And when people bring it up, you just be like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's right. And then yeah. when they make some, when they say something wrong, you'll have to bite your tongue and be like, that's not right, but I can't yep. correct them. Yep. Suppress the eye twitches. <laughs> uh, speaking of other shows... Oh, eye twitching? <laughs> more shows... <laughs> Uh, there was the big purge on, and you know what, you know this stuff happens all the time. But I think for some reason it just was very prominent on online this year. But uh, Fox had this huge purge of of canceling shows this this season. Well, they're probably like in a big case of like the fuckets. Uh, so they're I don't not know. Own them anymore? Yeah, I guess that could be it. They don't want to pay for anything. So you had uh, Lucifer, um, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and Last Man Standing all get canceled. Uh, from their from their their lineup for next season, uh, but Although, then but then they brought over Last Man Standing from ABC because 
that show is actually film is Wait, distributed don't you mean by the Fox. Last Man on Earth. No, Last Man on Earth was already on Fox. It got canceled. Okay. Last Man Standing got canceled over at AWC, or AWC, ABC <laughs> and then got picked up by Fox because they make that show. Okay. So Tim Allen's Last Man Standing is going to be on Fox next season. All right. Which was the one with um, the Kevin James and Leah Romini? So that's Kevin Can Wait, and okay. that's over at CBS, and that got canceled. Okay. Then there's Kevin Might Save the World, which was uh, John Ritter's son, Jason Ritter uh, on ABC that got canceled. Uh, did I say Lucifer? Yeah, Lucifer yes. got canceled. Um, uh, Inhumans. Inhumans, what we everybody yeah, knew. Inhumans yeah. got canceled. <laughs> Quantico got canceled. Um, there was a there's a couple. Of, oh, Deception, which is a show that I'm kind of digging right now, and that got canceled. Um, yeah, they just went through and cleaned house everywhere. It sounds like, and that's just to name a few. So. Uh, upfronts are this week, and I don't know if any if people are too familiar with what network upfronts are. Essentially, the networks come out uh, in front of a bunch of large corporation advertisers and say, "These are the new shows that are going to be premiering next season. Figure out which shows you want to sponsor or be a sponsor of, and stuff like that." And they, you get to see like little trailers and and promos and all that stuff, and they bring the cast out on a big stage. So parade them like the whores they are yeah essentially <laughs> but uh, not on a network cobra kai cobra kai season one just just dropped on youtube red they have already went went ahead and greenlit uh season two uh 10 episodes was the first season thir- like 30 minutes each a little less uh i watched the whole first season have you watched it yet i do not have youtube red but uh yeah i want to check it out because people whose opinion i value have said that it's actually pretty good and so i am very curious i i i trust me i loved it i enjoyed it i enjoyed the hell out of it and i love the way that they kind of went around and was like it, essentially it's it's just a whole bunch of hey you remember this you remember this <laughs> You know you like this. This is the so, thing. The one thing I want to know is, does Elizabeth Shue come back? She is not in the season. Ah. Unfortunately. So. Yeah, see, girls like Elizabeth Shue and a few others in the, the 80s really helped shape my perspective on life and, <laughs> you know, what, what seemed like is, you know, attainable and normal in the world. <laughs> and... Reality is a harsh mistress, but not as harsh as Elizabeth Shue was to <laughs> Ralph Macchio and the Karate Kid. So, uh, um, they they do mention her character because the two oh leads, yeah because he stole his girlfriend or something right. Like I that, mean, yeah. and you see a lot. They use a lot of the clips from the first movie, so you see her in the flashbacks. Oh, interesting. But you don't see uh, adult or modern day Elizabeth Shue or anything like that. Uh, and the one thing that I really was, because obviously in the show, Ralph Macchio is, you know, a super successful, he owns a, a car dealership and stuff like that. And he has a, a beautiful wife and a beautiful child and, or two beautiful child, two beautiful children. Um, <laughs> I think it would, they, I really wish someone would just mention like, Hey, you know, where's the, the beautiful girlfriend you had in high school? Or how about the beautiful girlfriend you got when you went to Okinawa? Or how about the, yeah, what happened to that one? Yeah. The beautiful redhead that you made in third, the, the third movie kind of thing. Yeah, what happened to Hillary Swank? 
<laughs> what happened to Hillary Swank? Technically, they're dojo bros since Miyagi taught the both of them. Exactly. So, uh, you know, none of those questions are really brought up, but uh, they barely even mention they they mention like his visit to Okinawa once, and then they they mention like a couple things from Karate Kid Part Three. I didn't hear anything from the next Karate Kid, so I don't know if they'll. <laughs> they'll ever do that i think in the next karate kid didn't the guy who was running those the kids that she goes up against wasn't he also a cobra kai like just another branch i don't remember yeah i think he was i don't think i've ever seen the next karate kid to be honest have you not seen the next karate kid i I mean you have to watch it just so you can be a completist i do i really (laughs) i mean does that mean i also have to watch the karate kid with jaden smith too yes you do because you know why because will smith owns the ip now he then he's a he's a producer on the on this on the show oh wow yeah he bought it for jaden that is just wow (laughs) i like you literally just saw the synapses all fire in my brain at the same time what hey it happens uh john favreau okay here here's the subject that you do know a lot about oh, okay let's go star wars it was announced a little while back that he's going to be doing a tv series for star wars and that's going to show up on the star the disney streaming service whenever that starts up um he is confirmed to it sounds like dan casey uh or at least dan casey tweeted about it uh that the live action star wars series takes place seven years after battle of indoor between return of the jedi and the force awakens uh will feature all new characters using cutting edge tech a la the jungle book story to come i like it yeah. i think that's a good idea yeah i mean personally i wish we could have played a little bit more with the uh, the prequel trilogy timeline Okay. Because uh, one of the best things, although the prequels were kind of lacking in the movies themselves, they actually did open up the world in interesting ways. One of my favorites being the Republic Commandos. Mm. These were elite teams of clone troopers that went on special like Black Ops type missions. And their book series and their video game for the original Xbox were amazing. Like, they had their own original music score to it, and the Mandalorian language was actually created specifically for this book series. It dealt with a lot of their culture, and it would have worked so well as, like, a Band of Brothers type or, uh, you know, other kind of wartime stuff, because a lot of them have... it. Basically, a lot of those stories have them going to kind of, like, settlements and off-world type places that are more rural settlements. Mm-hmm. Um, only a couple of stories have them directly involved in the... Uh, in, like, some of the core planets where it's more like Coruscant with, like, all the cities and stuff. So, I think something like that would have really worked well as, like, an episodic series. Um, and I even had it in my own head, like, man, if I could produce this, I'd get, like, like a couple of twins or maybe even quadruplets that are, like, Maori-looking so that they can, <laughs> you know, all play basically different versions of the same clone, essentially, of uh, Tamura Morrison. Um, but yeah, alas, it's not to be. But nevertheless, uh, one of my biggest complaints about the new trilogy, with uh, starting with The Force Awakens, is that it takes place way too far in the future from the last trilogy. Okay. Um, the 30-year time difference is like, man, there's so much more interesting stuff that happened in between. Like, it had to have happened. Yeah, like the, you know, the 
what happened to the Empire right after the Battle of Endor, how they regrouped and became the uh, the, the First Order. The first Who the hell is Snoke? <laughs> how does he factor into all of this? Do you this? think that's something that this, that's going to be tackled in this series? I kind of hope so because, I mean, if they don't go into more detail about that, then The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi are literally just like circle jerking like they're not doing anything to really enhance or bring up about the story and it's understandable like some people have had the complaint of like well the emperor was only seen in one short like sequence in the empire strikes back and there was absolutely no backstory about him in the return of the jedi he was just there and you know you don't like they never explained his powers or anything all of that came later in the expanded universe and while that's technically true i also think he was done better yeah his presence, his malice, everything about him is just so well done. Whereas with Snoke, you're like, okay, like, why do I care about this guy? Well, see, that's also you got to take into account that the first set of trilogies, the original trilogy, however you want to call it, you know, he's established as the bad guy. So that's all we need to know. By the time we get to The Force Awakens, we have an expanded universe. So now we need to know more, like... After if he if he he shows up as the the head Sith after the after um the Emperor dies, why you know how how does he get to that point? And the, it, what really sucks is that the other characters know. Yeah, I mean Leia knows exactly who Snoke is. She even said, "Oh, it was Snoke that turned him over to the dark side." And, I mean, there's all this backstory that all of these characters know about because they lived it. Just not us. Whereas we just jump in 30 years later like we just woke up from a coma. <laughs> and we're like, okay, uh, let's get caught up to speed. Well, there's this guy named Snoke now. Okay, who is he? Oh, it doesn't matter. That, he's dead now. He's the he's the, <laughs> the, the emperor or whatever. But Yeah, I guess. So, yeah, like, like this is a good idea because it'll address one of the biggest problems, which is the backstory. How did we get from there to here? Well, isn't that also the time period that the the new star wars battlefront 2 takes place like it's during the battle of endor right after the battle of endor it takes place right after the battle of endor and it does deal with essentially uh, the empire empire the empire starting to regroup because of the the massive loss that they suffered mm-hmm. so this is probably going to be a few years after that so i guess it's gonna it's not going to have them scrambling it's probably going to be a bit more of like they're getting reorganized into mobilizing something so i mean yeah keep in mind that it had to have taken maybe 20 years to turn that one planet into like a living death star so hopefully we start to see the the beginnings of something like that like (laughs) how we get there um yeah i mean so do you have faith in in john favreau yes i do okay i really like favreau in his directing style i feel like his sensibilities really work and he knows how to give his actors room to expand on the material that they're given. That was one of the things that the prequels were direly missing, is uh, the actors being given the free reign to play with their character, which is why they come off so monotonous and wooden. I mean, like, Samuel L. Jackson in the prequels is, like, some of the worst acting. <laughs> it's like, the oppression of the Sith will not like what like call this dude a motherfucker or something like what's wrong with you why are you so boring i like his little spin on the couch thing (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty stylish uh all right yeah i have faith in john favreau i don't i i'm not a big star wars fan so i don't 
I don't know where to come at from the whole idea of the. Let's make pins. I believe in Johnny Fabro. There you go. Uh, last thing I want to talk about Paramount. They want to make a spinoff movie of just the G.I. Joe character Snake Eyes. I have absolutely. Ooh, they should make it with. Uh, with. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Oh, jeez. Because he made Snake Eyes. Yeah. I get it. No. <laughs> uh, I don't. Like, I know he's the favorite. Like, everybody loves Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. I love Snake Eyes, but how do you make a movie about him with he doesn't talk and you don't see his face? No, Snake Eyes is like the flavor. He's like the croutons on the salad. <laughs> you don't have just croutons. No, you don't just eat a you bowl know? of croutons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like Wheaties, basically, with, with no liquid. Um, yeah, like, he's a character that doesn't talk. He swore an oath of silence or a vow of silence, or whatever. sometimes in some of the comic books, some in some of the comic books, it's he swore the the oath to, uh, or the vow to be silent. But then there's some that, that he got into a fight and they he had his his voice box cut out, his, so he just can't talk. Yeah, that could be another one. He could have gotten his throat slashed or something, mm-hmm. and, like gurgled himself back to health. But <laughs> um, I mean, he's a character that you're not really supposed to know what he looks like that's part of his thing is that he's a he's an american ninja a white ninja (laughs) very white ninja it wears all black yeah and that's why his opposite is a white dressed ninja whatever storm shadow yep um and i you know storm shadow is the what the other one that everybody loves because he's the opposite version of snake eyes so he's the one that has a personality though he does have i mean i loved his character in the gi joe movies because he's He's a good nemesis, but in many ways, I would feel like he's more of a main character. You know, whether he's being evil or he's working alongside the Joes, like, he has a presence. Yeah. Whereas... And the actor who played him, I, I can't think of who it was at the moment, who it is at the moment, but he was, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's a great actor. In those first two movies, yeah. And, yeah, I can't remember his name either, but... I mean, I love the scene where, you know, uh, Storm... Uh, was it Snake Eyes is, uh, you know, on their tail when it's... Uh, Storm Shadow and the Baroness, and then he kind of like lets go, and Baroness says, "Oh, he uh, he gave up," and you see a look of concern on Storm Shadow's face, like he never gives up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, he just abandoned ship because they were about to crash into something. I was like, "Oh, that was so awesome." But um, I mean, it's gonna have to be a movie where either Storm or Snake Eyes is not the main character. Or he's going to have to have some kind of partner to play off of throughout the whole movie. I mean, I guess you could do, like, Snake Eyes and um, Scarlet. Like, just the two of them. It's kind of a relationship movie, but with all action. You know, the the, the couple. I guess. That's the only thing that I could see. I, I don't I don't see how... How do you make that movie? As long as we get a cameo by Shipwreck. Wow, shipwreck! Really? <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Who would you, who would you have? It, it's stunt casting. It's shipwreck. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, let's see. Who would be a good shipwreck? Maybe. Uh, so got, they have to have a good beard. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, maybe. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's, I mean, that'd be great, but I think he's a little old. Maybe. Well, let's see. Who'd be a little younger? Joe Manganiello. I, you know, that's who I thought of first, too, was Joe Maganello. <laughs> so maybe that, that's where it is. Get Joey Mang. Yeah. Um, now, I, the other question would have to be, do do you get Ray Park to come back? He played Stink Eye, Snake Eyes twice now. And, I mean, we kind of were saying is that you don't really need a, a particular actor to play it. You just need a stuntman, a yeah. martial arts stuntman to do it because he's going to be wearing the clothes the whole time. And he's, or at least he should be. 
and he's never going to talk. Yeah, so it could basically be anybody. I mean, I'd like it to be Ray Park just because I like him a lot. Yeah, I like Ray Park a lot too. Um, it, but it could be pretty much anybody. So, I mean, if Ray Park's getting a little too old, I've seen some clips of him from like recent cons. Yeah, the dude's knees look like they hurt. <laughs> I w- all that jumping around, I would imagine <laughs> so. Yeah, he, he's. I mean, he still beat the shit out of me, no doubt there. But and he's, like, he can still swing around a lightsaber like nobody's business. Oh yeah. But, so uh, yeah, for like the more intensive stuff, maybe just get somebody younger. And I'm guessing it's probably gonna be like a prequel too. I can't imagine they'd start doing a movie that takes place after the events of um, Retaliation. Yeah, GI Joe Retaliation. So it's probably gonna be more like an origin story. I mean, I would imagine they'd want to do everything in their power to get The Rock to come back and do to to at least show up in the movie because it's The Rock and he's the biggest star in the world right now. Yeah, but I don't know if he signed on for any additional movies. True, probably not. I think he was like did like a one movie deal there. <laughs> uh, so I mean, whatever they end up doing, more power to him. I hope hopefully it's something good, and it might be part of the whole Hasbro. Uh, fucking expanded universe yeah, or cinematic expand, universe cinematic universe yeah so i don't know all right let's get to talking about westworld westworld season two episode three virtue e fortuna which i would believe would be uh virtue and fortune I, in italian i guess yeah so i don't i'm not too brushed up on my italian Hey, look, this this title is Italian for Virtue and Fortune. Hey, nice. Hey. Uh, Did you type that in Google Translate? <laughs> no, it's in trivia for the IMDb page. Ah, excellent. Uh, and then the other piece of trivia that's right here on there, the first thing that we see in the this this one episode, one of the new parks that we have to see, is, oh, this yeah. is a, the first appearance of Park 6, The Raj. The rise, the rise of Taj. The rise of the Taj, Raj. exactly. Right. So, what did you think of this new park? Uh, it, it's to me, it seemed like so boring, like such a <laughs> waste of a you know host type environment. It seems like so. It seems like it's, it would be a very like niche person that would want to go to this particular time period of of you know England going out and and conquering or you know taking over different parts of the the, the globe. It's people who just had a hard on for colonialism, yeah, <laughs> I guess, and and maybe hunting big game, I guess. I mean, yeah, she the 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 both characters are said they're there to, to hunt the Bengal tiger. It's like, yeah, why? Because <laughs> there's nothing else like it, apparently. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but I mean, if you really wanted to hunt something, like, why not just go against like a grizzly bear with nothing but a, a knife? You know, like that would you, be real, especially when you know it can't hurt you. Yeah. Like, Although I really. think they did mention that, like, oh, when you get out to the edge of the park, you know, that's where it gets like really interesting. So they were kind of playing around with the idea that, you know, you could hunt the real game, and there was like a little more chance of getting hurt the further out. Yeah, there. but no, I don't, I don't care if if the park is working properly. It, it, the fir- I don't care how far you get out. There's still not. You might get injured, but I doubt you'll ever get killed. Well, as we saw as well, this is the first time we actually see the border of a park. And it gets infiltrated or crossed or whatever. I okay. Expand on that. Um, when she's running away from the Bengal tiger. Okay, that's what I thought. So and she like actually crosses the boundary from one park, and I guess there's a natural like body of water that's dividing 
that world from, I guess, Westworld. And that's why when we see her next, it's where the Bengal tiger was in the episode one on the shore and stuff like that. Yes. But I also wanted to bring up is that we saw what happens when two visitors shoot each other. Hadn't we seen something like that I don't, already? I don't remember seeing anything like that. I mean, it could have, and I, I just totally blanked on it, but you have the the female character, Grace, shoot the male character, and she says, you know, if it if you're, uh, if you're a host, you know, it's not going to matter because you're going to forget about it because you're going to die and forget about it. If you're not, then it's only going to sting for a little bit. And so she shoots him. The bullet hits his chest, but it's, it's literally like hitting... Uh, Clevar or something like it, the bullet just hit leaves a little bruise. Yeah, it looks like he got hit by like a paintball or something. Yeah, exactly. So, which by the way, it would totally be worth it to get shot for a hit of that. Did you know you're gonna have sex with her? Right after? <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, all right, just stay away from the face. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe I've ever seen that, but that's interesting. That what? How does that technology work? That the bullet just knows that you're a. Uh, you're a, a human. That's true, because they do kind of explain a little bit about how it's supposed to work in season one. Mm-hmm. And I do remember now um, when Teddy would shoot at uh, the man in black, mm-hmm. you see that the 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 bullets hit him. And he kind of right. like... He shrugs it but, off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of like more annoyed than anything. Um, so, yeah, but they didn't go into too much detail about how it worked other than... Um, you know, the technology is so good that the guns can recognize when they're being aimed at a person. Oh, okay. As opposed to a host. So they just don't have, like, I guess they fire with different penetrative power or something. Um, and I guess when everything goes to hell and uh, those restrictions get removed, at that point, then they're hitting you with real bullets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, lucky for them, that hadn't happened yet, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh,. So yeah, we we see her kind of reacting uh, to the fact that the the park is shutting down, or you know th- things are going crazy. Bernard, yes, no, yes, Bernard, Bernard. It's not Arnold; it's Bernard. There's that part in the episode where, <sighs> so, you know how you were throwing out before that it, we're seeing the inside of Bernard's brain in some of the scenes and then some of the scenes are what actually happened right after the, the park went and started going crazy. Yes. There's that part when he's with the, the Delos people and they find Tessa Thompson's character and then they're asking him about Patrick Abernathy or Peter Abernathy. I think it's Peter Abernathy. Yeah. And he's looking down at the card thing and then he just starts like shaking and then all of a sudden it's, over to the part where it's right after the park has gone crazy. Well, not only that, but we know that earlier on in the timeline, Tessa Thompson and Bernard were together. Right. And then somehow they got separated, and that's when he ended up on the beach. Well, I would assume that's what they showed us here in this episode when she jumps on the horse and runs and, and flees, and he gets taken by the... The Confederacy people? Confederados, yeah. The Confederados, yeah. Which, kind of on a side note, before we get too far ahead, now we understand why Sideburns guy was acting so out of character. Yes, Stephen Ogg. You know, yeah, he 
he made him so that he was the, the most virtuous person and the <laughs> fastest gun in in Westworld. Yeah, I was like, that explains a lot now. <laughs> Although it kind of shoots down one of the theories that we had about, oh, this isn't the right version of reality, but it explained it perfectly well now, like why he is exactly that way now, and it makes sense in terms of the story. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting, yeah. So, um, yeah, so they they find that the Confederados are actually, well, no, not the Confederados. Uh, the Sideburns character's posse is holding a bunch of, um, I think, real humans and hosts captive. Yeah, now why would he be holding host and real humans? You know, that's a good question. I was wondering that myself. Like, why is he... And also, Patrick... Or Patrick. Uh, Peter Abernathy's character at the end of season one uh-huh. was originally part of that host of hosts. Oh, that's well, that seems redundant. But he was that part of that group of hosts that were reanimated. From the freezer. Yes. Yeah. And came back out all naked and then started storming the the uh the celebration whatever that was the party yeah um and yet now he's reverted back to his preacher character well he, yeah and he's out, he's jumping between like three different characters yeah i think one of the characters was uh like the leader of a um what was it a like a cannibal cult or something yeah like that. something like that and yeah he also alternates with uh as being dolores's father as well mm-hmm. um yeah, and we'll have to get into a little more detail about his whole thing because there's a really interesting fan theory on Reddit right now. Just go for it. About what's going on with him. All right, well, let's just jump into it then. So, according to my research on Reddit, there is a prevailing theory that is stating that um, James Delos has somehow transplanted or had his consciousness transplanted into the brain of Peter Abernathy. Because the overall plot of Westworld appears to be uh, life extension mm-hmm. and possibly mind transference into repairable host bodies that never uh, basically are easily replaceable. Right. Um, so it's essentially the quest for immortality. Um, but they like, decided to hide it inside the Peter Abernathy robot program. Well, that was never, apparently, that was never the intention of the technology. This is something that Delos with. Um, you know, input from the man in black, William, uh, stated that, you know, th- this park has so much potential for more than just entertainment. Right. Um, but the technology wasn't quite there yet. I mean, as we saw Logan, you know, react in shock and awe, he couldn't believe that they had made this much progress in realistic androids. Also, I wanted to say was, didn't we see in the first season when they they showed us some of the older androids that had like the like bad skin? Didn't they say something like like the older models didn't look quite real? Yes, the very earliest models had a slightly more synthetic look to their skin. So then, why weren't the ones that were at that party look? Why did they look so like the the final product that we have now? Like, are we talking like they were making the synthetics and having a park way before they went, ever went to Delos? Essentially, that's what it sounds like, yes. Because if you remember, and there was a few flashbacks in Season 1 where Arnold and Ford were struggling with making the uh, hosts be realistic enough. Um, they had one section where they were showing that little town where the murder and the massacre happened. Right. And they're trying to teach the hosts how to dance, and they're doing it very robotically. Mm-hmm. This was like very, very early generation hosts. Um Back when they were still mostly, um, I think, mechanical, too. Like, we saw that Dolores' right. first body, she was essentially like the ex-Machina girl. She mm-hmm. was like, 
carbon fiber body parts. And, and like the rest of Ford's family? Yes. Like, essentially, that's what those were. So, do you think Ford and Arnold, like, were already independently wealthy? Like, they just had a whole bunch of money, and they, they tried doing this this park, and then yes. eventually they needed to get Delos to Yes, they were funding. basically burning through their resources to work on their passion project, and, yeah. So, they at, at some point, they needed to compromise and bring in outside investors. Okay. So... Essentially, what Bernard finds in the programming, the decryption, in is going to be uh, maybe the 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 transcendence of. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to explain how to make it work because, as you said yourself, if somebody like makes a copy of your mind and uploads it, that's not really your mind. That's just a copy of it and not really the person. So they're going to have to figure out some way of explaining that. Um, but yeah, it sounds like they basically hit it in peter abernathy in spite of uh arnold and bernard's efforts to you know keep that kind of thing out of the park because that's not what they were intending to do Mm -hmm. you know they weren't there to cheat death they were there to just improve technology and maybe even make a new race of people i think is kind of what they were saying like they wanted to make they basically ford from his final speech before he gets killed by dolores slash wyatt is that like humanity has reached its pinnacle and it's on the verge of folding in on itself and they have the the way here um they basically humanity now is at the point thanks to you know their efforts and to delos where they can make a organism that's as complex if not more so than humanity but they need to learn how to think for themselves to reach that next level they don't yet have the ingenuity or the creativity and that's why ford was the story man he was so focused on narrative and telling a good story because that's how you you pass along you know the wisdom the knowledge the the imagination the creativity Mm. and that's what he was just stumped on that's what the maze i think was all about right um you know the voyage of self-discovery for these robots to realize hey i am me or you know and not a machine right so, contrary to that, it seems like Delos saw the potential for like, hey, we can put ourselves in these things, we can always repair ourselves, we can live forever, we can be gods. It's the beginning of the myths from uh, Altered Carbon, essentially. Right. In fact, it'd be awesome if these were like, you know, interrelated. <laughs> we could then eventually see uh, how AIs also become a thing and all that. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. Um, so long story short, because they're kind of going long-winded, it sounds like Delos snuck the program or the memories or the mind of James Delos into Peter Abernathy. And the theory is that when, if you remember from season one, the man in black, when he was still young William, he left his picture of his then fiance or wife, who was the daughter of James Delos. Uh, oh. He dropped it at the ranch right. the abernathy ranch right and peter is the one that finds it and it kind of screws up his brain and that's yes. why he has to be taken out and replaced with a new peter abernathy yes is somehow seeing a picture of his potential daughter j- jive some kind of memory that started to bring out the james delos portion of the brain to the forefront which was causing conflict with the peter abernathy so they just put them in storage and nobody really understood what was going on but we know now since season one that delos has been trying to hijack some information steal some proprietary data 
And so far in season two, they've been making the case that, oh, there's something really important here. We need the mind of a host, and Delo's security won't even come for us unless we have it. Like, that's how important it is. Now, that was one thing that I want to bring up is the Tessa Thompson's, Tessa Thompson's character, Charlotte. Do you think that this story, current story arc that she's on uh, was the original plan for her character all along? Or is that something they added in for season two? Because what they're doing with her now, how she's like, you know, all gung ho about going out on the the mission with the guys and or with the security team, and then she's part of this secret, uh, you know, project that is happening there, and she has a lot of the answers and stuff like that. Like to me, that's not what her character was in the first season, but it could have been, and they were just she was just playing it up. No, yeah, she was definitely doing some kind of corporate, not corporate espionage because it was her own company, but she was there with an ulterior motive, and um, she was definitely there to oust Ford out of his position, and he knew it. I mean, he saw all the signs ahead of time. But see, that's all I saw her as. I saw her as like a Delos board member that just wanted to take out Ford, not the, not this oh, well, I actually, I have these other experiments going on in the park and I know the real projects and, you know, like, there's other, you know, all these other things going on is going to go through me. Like, I feel like, I almost, I I know this is cynical, but I almost feel like Tessa Thompson's, you know, star power, star rating has just gone through the roof with Thor Ragnarok and uh, what was that recent, Annihilation and creed you know all that stuff is just you know she her, she's becoming super popular so they m- expanded her character and, and changed it up a little it could be but i think it also is an expansion it could have just been that you know there's no need to be all gung-ho and ramble like when there didn't need to be when there was yeah now that she's going into survival mode it's not just about um you know her staying alive and getting rescued it's also her job is on the line it's kind of super important and she can i mean if the payload in this uh host is what we think it might be then it's probably in her best interest to make sure she secures it and that can be very uh lucrative for her in the long run mm. uh you know she could be the one that saves the important data that furthers the research and guarantees that their uh you know once ceo is you know able to come back to life and whatnot or it could be that. It could be that they're just, you know, kind of working backwards and rewriting her character a little bit to give her a little bit more to do since she is kind of a bigger deal now. Mm. Um, it seems like they're – of course, you'd want to do this in, in this situation. And, you know, with the things the, that you're working with in this show or on this in this park, but they're making a big deal of, of showing you ways that – you prove that people are people and hosts are hosts. Yeah, because I guess now the line is blurred enough that you can't... I mean, basically, they're kind of almost on equal footing. Right. Humans have the better technology, but the hosts are starting to adapt, and some of them even have some of the human tech, like those uh, automatic weapons. and The P90s. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, becoming very tribal-like, and in some ways, it's kind of like... A metaphor for you know the old cowboys conquering the Indians. That's like a, a meta story within the story because mm. you have a much more technologically advanced invading force, and these guys are just trying to like figure out their way and make a living. Well, I also think it's funny is that because like you know how you see uh, Bernard 
mess with Stephen Ogg's, uh, you know, being the sharpest shooter in the West or whatever. Um, you, you know, when the the security team is coming up on the Confederados, uh, you know, they're robots. They should have perfect aim, but because their their storyline has it as maybe their aim's not that great. Then they will. They're not going to be able to hit that that well. No, yeah, they're they're definitely not working with optimized statistics. Like they, from however, doesn't doesn't Dolores have a tech with her, like a guy that could change all their stats? He was with her, but we haven't seen him since the uh, the Confederados um, when they met Jonathan Tucker, the major. Yeah, yeah. Right. we haven't seen him since then, so we don't exactly know where he is. Um, that wasn't the guy that that the one girl said run, and if you make it over the hill, you'll uh, we'll spare you. No, I don't believe so. I think that was it. Looked like he was wearing a suit, so he's okay. probably like a guest that was captured. Right. Um, well, no, that that is a good point, but I think it also might be. Um, I don't remember, and uh, oh, and that reminds me, we saw Felix and uh, was it Tom? Yes. Yes, uh, they made their little comeback there. They did. I don't remember if they have the access to change the stats on something like that. Because I think when Maeve did it, she did it herself. But I thought she had to have the one the one guy change it first, and then she was able to change it even more. More herself. Okay, yeah. yeah. So maybe she just doesn't have the ability. Or, But at the same time, as we saw, Dolores didn't actually intend for them to be an effective force. Simply a diversion True. for her like other plan that she had, which was to... I, I didn't quite understand the whole plan. That part was a little confusing for me as well because she kept saying how, you know, she can't do it alone. They need an army, blah, blah, blah. And then later she's like, well, not all of us need to survive this. Mm -hmm. And she just purposely put them out there. And, like, if they didn't get killed by the invading humans, um, the explosion that she fires off kills them. Yeah, and she was also firing from behind the the door as well. So (laughs) it was almost like they were intending to wipe out the Confederados anyway. That it's very it was very strange. Yeah, that part I didn't quite get. Does does the fact that Clementine doesn't talk anymore freak you out? Kind of kind of freaks me yeah, out. Yeah, because she looks like a zombie. Yeah, she's very brain dead. Meanwhile, but... the other girl loves to talk. Yeah, um, what do they call her, Angela? Angela, yeah. So. Yeah, with the crown of thorns. That's what really trips me out. I'm like, <laughs> that's gonna get infected. It just it, to me, it just looks like an open head wound. Like it literally looks like someone cut open her head, and it's just like brains that are kind of it's spilling just out. brains spilling out. Yeah, it no, just never it, spills. It looks like it's a crown of thorns. So hopefully, we get to see what that's all about. Maybe, <sighs> maybe she some... thinks of herself as Jesus. Well, if I remember correctly, though, at the end of season one. She was already uh, using herself as bait. That's true. So she was already part of something else going yeah, she, on. Well, she's part of those guys with the horn masks and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and, and we still haven't found out what that's all about and who those guys were. Well, they're worshippers or, or um, they're followers of Wyatt. Are they really, though? Because we don't see them hanging around with Wyatt. Well, she is Wyatt. Dolores is Wyatt. Yep. Yeah, what about the horn dudes? They follow her. Are they there with her at that yeah. battle? Oh. Yeah, that's 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 who who pulls the guns out and shoots the people, the Confederados through the doors. Yeah, I must have not have seen the horns then. Oh, yeah, I was too distracted by the return of Armistice. Yeah, she's that she's Woo! a real dragon now. Yeah, <laughs> we need air horns right now. Um, well, well, just before that part, if you're Lee Sizemore, do you really want to argue with Hector? Like, is that a a good? 
plan for you to stay alive? No, and I'm like, dude, I would not get in between them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Especially so, when they're trying to show affection to each other. He, he, he thinks it's a smart move to be like, what? You guys shouldn't be showing affection. Like, obviously, the programming has already gone off the rails. <laughs> Why are you, like, holed up on this one particular point? And he's like, no, you're supposed to only be in love with Isabella. And that that's not supposed to change. He's like, I know Isabella's not a real thing. Like, it's all fake memories. And then he, he, he starts saying a line. And then he's like, I wrote that line. And he finishes it off or whatever. It's like, why? Why are you picking this fight right now? What What does it matter to you? Well, I think it was because his pride was hurt more than anything. <laughs> like, that's the downfall of humanity, essentially, is pride. Pride, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, he's basically saying, like, that's not what I did for you. That You're not supposed to be able to do that. It's not because it goes against your programming, but because it's defying him personally. <laughs> him personally. And I love the way that Maeve just totally, like reads him mm-hmm. and points out oh the, does this mean that you have an Isabella and you see yourself as Hector and all this other stuff and just like oh my gosh man just psychoanalyze the shit out of this guy <laughs> like make him even more diminutive and just keep <laughs> reducing him uh, there was a the, there was another part that it had to do with him and I can't think of what it is at the moment but I mean even with uh, Maeve and all her boosted up stats at this point, she still froze when she saw the indigenous people. Well, yeah, because there's something very primal about that memory right. of that whole thing happening. I think it stimulated that part of her brain that also associated it with their daughter. And I think it gave her... I mean, that could be a sign that she is actually becoming kind of human in a way. Mm-hmm. Is that even with all of this... Uh, you know, souped up statistics and everything, all these uh, bonuses that she has, you know, maybe it's a sign that like the programming is working too well, mm-hmm. you know, now because she believes that these memories are real because they're real to her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that was obviously something that was very traumatic. Although I find it interesting though, because originally I thought it was the man in black that really caused her to be traumatized because, you know, he'd go and murder her and, and her child for fun. Right. And that's one of the things that she remembered that she clinged to. Uh, but then she also remembers, I guess, this Indian party coming in and, um, you know, attacking them. And there's definitely something off about these guys. Yeah. Because they also find the, that girl from Raj World at right. the end. Grace, yeah. And it's like, well, what is with these guys? Like, what's, why are they off of their... It seems like they're off their narrative, but even more so. Like, there's something else entirely with them. Yeah, it's very true. And uh, I think they even, yeah, they speak their own language. They don't even speak English. Like, we saw Hector speak to one of them at one point. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to be a translator between the two. And then, and then uh, like, oh, that's what it was. They were like, oh, we'll let you pass as long as you give us Lee. Like, did, does he know that Lee is a, a, a human and not a host? Like, does the... the no, they just knew that they could make him their bottom. Oh, well, that could be a true, too. Um, yeah, so is the girl, the little girl from the first season that was in Pariah, I think, that gave uh, the man in black like that piece of information? Oh, no, no, yeah, she wasn't in Pariah. She was in that other town, the one where El... Um Lawrence, Lawrence and his family. Right. So was that also his uh, Maeve's daughter? No, Maeve's daughter is. Uh, she looks more traditionally African. Okay. 
Um, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. The we got to see the uh, a shogun or a samurai or whatever show up in the end of Maeve's story there at this episode. Uh, he apparently he's made it over into Westworld. And he's just cutting people's heads off. Yeah, that's what it looked like. It looked like the you know it was getting kind of snowy. And, and so you think maybe they're making it over? They've crossed a barrier, or do you think that uh, that's what I'm wondering? Because we already saw that crossing park boundaries is a thing. Yeah, like I didn't know how they were partitioned, but I guess. They really are just kind of have like a, a simple divider land barrier between them. So I wasn't sure if this is like a group of samurais or ronin or whatever that crossed over into Westworld mm-hmm. or if they went too far and now they're in Shogun World. I mean, isn't going to be finding her daughter like literally going to be the hardest thing to do? Because it doesn't seem like they're, it seems like they're heading somewhere, but I don't know if they actually know where the daughter is. Well, it's based on what Lee Sizemore says. It's supposed to be in like a part of the park where it's very bland. It's like, oh, you want to go to like Frontierland? Like this is real, like Little House on the Prairie type stuff. Like, why do you want to go there? Oh, okay. And um, yeah, so they, we get the impression that's where they're going. But uh, yeah, like so far they've been traversing through like some of the most dangerous territory. And I don't know if that's because just the way that the park's been messed up now, every, everybody's off of their routine. Or... I mean, why wouldn't you want to stay underground? Why wouldn't you want to travel through the catacombs? Well, that doesn't make for very con- like, you know good storytelling. If I... you just safely get to where you need to go. Okay, fair enough. But I'm just <laughs> saying. Uh, and, and yeah, that, at that point, they also have uh, Felix and Tom uh, in tow. And yes. Armistice is there with her metal arm Ooh, and, and fire has throw. a sexy robot arm <laughs> sexy robot arm. i gotta tell you that's definitely a new fetish of mine and between ultra this carbon and, and, and this right. uh and then i i just love the part where hector's like she she the dragon got her fire or something like that because she had the flamethrower oh, yeah, she says she has a dragon yeah that's what it was yeah my favorite meme that came out of that on reddit was it's a picture of her smiling and it says dracaris <laughs> uh last thing i wanted to talk about is teddy letting the major go Ooh, yeah. So Dolores gives him a, an order to take him behind the castle or whatever it is, the fort, and, and kill him. Now, Teddy ends up, because he essentially is like, we're the same. We both have to take orders, or the major says that to him. He's like, you know, you're just following orders from whoever, from Dolores and stuff like that. And he lets him go. He says, no, I'm not I'm not the same as you. And he, and he lets him go. Now, they, you see that Dolores has seen this whole thing go down. And then she kind of looks disappointed. But do you think she's really disappointed? To me, the first thing I thought is, why would she be disappointed? It just shows that he's thinking for himself finally. Like he's doing his own thing. Possibly not, though. Because I thought that, too. And I was like, why would Dolores be disappointed? See, Teddy has his programming says that he needs to be kind and yeah he just has this like compassionate streak or Mm -hmm. whatever and even um the man in black in season one comments at one point is like man you're just still the same old teddy aren't you like in 30 years of visiting he's just still does the same routine so it's not really in his character to you know kill somebody in cold blood or anything like that and I think Dolores saw that and was like, yep, this guy's just not going along with the this new role we got. He's still sticking to being Teddy. 
Right. And he's literally just following her following her because he he's still in love with Dolores kind yeah, of thing. Like he, I think to some degree he still doesn't fully understand what's going on. He doesn't see the full picture. Even with what he has seen yet, like it's still not sinking in. He's still Teddy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dolores is not really Dolores or Wyatt or any of these others. She's, she's something sort in of becoming something else. Yeah. She's growing, she's evolving, and Teddy's still just Teddy. Was there anything else about this episode that you wanted to bring up or talk about? Um, they do get a hold of Peter Abernathy and they take off with him. Right. Dolores gets pissed off. She gets shot a couple times and just shrugs it off. She sure does. Which was pretty hot. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, she do, I, I like then, a woman but, that can take a bullet. But then also Tessa Thompson's character gets a hold of Peter Abernathy and they take off with him. If, yes. If, if that's what you were, I don't know if that's what you were talking about. You were talking about the fact that Dolores got them. well yeah before that Dolores does get to see him and um, you know Bernard messes around with his programming and that's how we find out that his mind is hiding some kind of huge encrypted file mm-hmm. uh, he's able to access it temporarily and it's possible that he downloaded the information into himself mm-hmm. and that's another reason why we could be seeing part of his narrative as actually them just probing through his mind and we also see because he's also doing that shaking thing again that we saw that he tried he took care of earlier when he was with tessa thompson in the bunker yeah and uh yeah so we assume he either needs to inject more brain juice into himself or uh he's just starting to malfunction Mm -hmm. and the humans apparently still don't know that he's a host or they're like i said they're playing along because they need him um, I kind of compare it to like virtuosity, right? The in sequence where yeah, where they put Russell Crowe and he thinks he's still in the real world, but they're actually just using that to trick him into giving up the goods, basically. Right. So, yeah, talk about a random pool, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of what I think is happening with his narrative. I think that's one of the main reasons why they made such a point to show us the. The brains and how you can plug them into the terminals to get more information out of them. Right. It's like like oh, we're gonna get a payoff of something like that. I bet. Hmm. Uh, okay. Anything else? Mm, no, I think that's it. Yeah, I think we covered yeah. uh, the episode pretty well. So if anybody has some additional information or questions that they'd like to throw at us, you can find me on Twitter as at Mitchipedia G E R. John's also a Twitter as. I am at the Magic Bollocks, and how do you feel Wait. about prosthetic robot arms? Is it the Magic Bollocks or just Magic Bollocks? Oh, it is Magic Bollocks. I don't okay. know why I throw the the in there. I feel <laughs> like it's more regal. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page, and Geek Elite Radio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek Geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.